The Heat might be looking for answers, but James Harden won't be one of them with a guard being traded to the Los Angeles Clippers. How does this shake up the Eastern Conference and specifically Miami's chances at the playoffs? Is there another potential move for the Heat to make the season? We give you the latest updates on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg. Joining me as always, it's David Mill. However, you're tuning in, YouTube, Odyssey, your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Well, David, the Sixers finally traded James Harden to the Clippers. The Sixers get a smorgasbord of assortments. Nick Batum, Marcus Morris Sr., Kenyon Martin Jr., Robert Covington, some second-round picks, what amounts to basically two first-round picks, although it's a little complicated, but basically two first-round picks. The Clippers get James Harden and P.J. Tucker. So the James Harden saga in Philly is over. We'll get into the ripple effects on the Heat and what comes next for them plus what stars could be asking for a trade next. But we should start with taking stock of the Sixers, who are 2-1. and one. They've looked good uh, without even James Harden to start the season. David, what's your take on what this means for the Sixers and their place in the Eastern Conference? I don't – I think it's kind of solidifies them to a certain degree. I'm not sure what they got back in return, how much of it will play a factor in their chances of success. Like right now, it seems like they're – Chances at winning in the East are pretty much tied to Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey continuing to develop. Maxey has looked great to start the season. Covington and Batum in particular are, I think, are, are nice complementary role players. Uh, Covington had been okay. Batum had been pretty decent, again, at the respective stages of their career. None of them are really expected to bring much in that sense, but they kind of replace, at least in theory, what P.J. Tucker had been able to provide. They've got enough depth there. I think those are players that, in Covington's case in particular, seems really eager to go back to Philadelphia and contend for a title and things of that sort. So I like it for Philadelphia. It seems like an okay trade. You're never going to get back requisite value for a player of James Harden's stature. But at the same time, you did get some nice things. And I think when you're looking at this trade, you can't really analyze it for what it is right now because it's probably the first of mm. uh, at least one more deal that Daryl Morey and the Sixers front office is looking to make. We've already heard the potential pursuit of Zach Levine uh, being waiting in the wings, no pun intended there in terms of like being able to acquire a complimentary superstar scorer in Levine. I guess there are other names out there that they might be interested in. Now they have both the requisite salary and sal- and uh, draft picks that they could package for a guy like Levine. So it's uh, a good move. It's a good move and a step definitely in the right direction. I think they wound up getting – Really, they'll wind up being better than that they were even without James Harden. Well, you mentioned that it didn't really look like they got anything that's super additive in this trade, but this to me is more of like a addition by subtraction. The the biggest thing here that doesn't like show up in the trade machine is you don't have to deal with the James Harden distraction, right? And for the first time in a very sure. long time in Philadelphia, this is sort of distraction free. Like vibes are pretty good. You got a new coach with Nick Nurse. Joel Embiid is playing great. You mentioned Tyrese Maxey before. I mean, he looks amazing to start the season. And before James Harden, it was the Ben Simmons thing. 
And then obviously mm. after Ben Simmons, it was James Harden. It just always felt like there was a shoe ready to drop in Philadelphia. And I think for the first time in a very long time, there's no shoe sort of hanging over the collective head of the 76ers. It's just like, oh, we have the reigning MVP. We have a budding all-star on Tyrese Maxey. We have a championship winning coach in Nick Nurse. The supporting cast is solid, like Tobias Harris in a contract year. He's been playing well for them. Kelly Oubre has been a nice pickup early on in the year. We've got some like length, interesting guys. Like, let's see, we could see what the Batum, Morris, Kenyon Martin Jr. conglomerate can kind of give us, but we at least have some more depth here. Yep. I think it's good good vibes all around in Philadelphia. I don't have it enough to be like up there with Mil- Milwaukee or Boston, but if things break right for them, this is a team that could feasibly get to the NBA Finals. I think that we've been so distracted by the whole James Harden thing and his shortcomings in the postseason. Like all of that stuff is gone. And now you have one of the best four players, five players in the NBA and Joel Embiid, a guy who fits with him in Tyrese Maxey. Good stuff happening. Like I said, they've been they've been playing well without Harden this whole time. And they've just added some yep. extra pieces. And and I think you hit on the real key point here. Maybe it's a step back from like an overall talent perspective of what's on the roster, but Harden wasn't playing for you anyway. And now you have all these expiring salaries and extra draft capital to go make a move. And it feels like the Daryl Morey thing is to say, okay, have your Terrence Manns, have your Norm Powell's, have your Bones Highlands. Just give me all these guys on chunky one-year kind of $10 million salaries and a couple of draft picks. And by February, we're going to go out and make a move. Maybe it's a star. Maybe it's a big name like Zach Levine. Or maybe it's just like a couple of better guys to round out the rotation. But what the Sixers have afforded themselves right now is time to figure out what it is exactly that they need to go ahead and make that push. Because, you know, just because you traded Harden, the Joel Embiid question is still there. You've got to do right by him, just like Milwaukee felt pressure to do right by Giannis. Fortunately for the Bucs, they were able to go ahead and get Damian Lillard. It still feels like this is the first step and maybe a two-step process for the yeah. Sixers here. Um, but I think still overall, they are better now than they were yesterday just by, get ridding, by getting rid of the James Harden distraction. It's a good point. I, I, I hadn't really considered that, but the vibes is a significant factor. Like this might be the first actual launch of the post-process era because everything else has been involved with one trade or one song after Mm. another like it started i think with jimmy butler like the acquisition of butler was like the first mega move after of course you 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 lose jalil okafor nerlens noel whatever but then you acquire butler and it's a tumultuous year you know the last year of uh what was i forget his name now bruce uh bruce brown right Uh, the uh, the head coach there um oh yeah you know yeah, that was a long time ago, right? It feels like a long time ago. And then Doc Rivers and all his faults. And Rivers is not a perfect coach, but this kind of feels like this might be the first step in a long direction, kind of jettisoning any kind of leftover baggage from that process era so that you can just kind of move forward and then new saga-free edition. I'm more concerned about the Sixers today than I was two days ago. I'll say that much. <laughs> Well said, right? And I kind of feel the same way. Like, the Sixers' biggest enemy for a long time was the Sixers. And look, Joel Embiid still has his postseason faults. You know, those are still there. But they were so often tied to Ben Simmons, tied to James Harden. It was sort of hard to figure out, okay, where do Ben Simmons is in James Harden's postseason shortcomings end, and where do Joel Embiid's begin, right? Right. And now, I guess, going into this postseason, we should have a clearer idea of what it is that Joel Embiid is in a playoff setting. But the Sixers look really good, and that's all we have. And um, and it, are they the third team? Are they the yeah. third best team in the Eastern Conference? I, I don't think that there's any doubt about that. I, I think that this puts them firmly in sort of that second 
tier by themselves. I think some people would maybe put them in with Milwaukee and have Please. Boston with a tier no, by themselves. Quite. I would. I'm, I think I'm with you. I think I have Boston and Milwaukee. I'm still like, look, it's October. By April, I think Milwaukee will be the juggernaut. I, I have Milwaukee yeah. and Boston as the top two teams in whatever order. Sixers is like a third team in that second tier by themselves. And then you got a kind of whole mushy Miami Heat, New York Knicks, Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. Pacers yeah. got to kind of work their way in there. I don't know. But um, in terms of what this means for the Heat, mm. uh, there's a lot of stuff to get into here. Um, one of the things here, we mentioned just even the short term with Milwaukee and Boston and Philadelphia just being in a tier above Miami. I think in the long term, the Sixers have really solidified themselves as well because you've got like $100 million in expiring contracts now, up to three first-round picks that you could trade in a deal. Whether or not the, 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 the Sixers do something by February's deadline or they could still do something by deadline because they have like a hundred, like tons of cap space going into this offseason, they're in the free agency game too. So in, in terms of a long-term kind of rival, the Sixers are right there now. And I think there's somebody that the Heat have to be worried about, just like they had to worry about Boston, who still have the two Js. In the, in the thick of their prime with Giannis still in the middle of his prime and not slowing down anytime soon and everything that's going on with the Milwaukee Bucks. If I'm the heat, this makes me take a step back and, and kind of re and, and resurvey the landscape in the Eastern conference and say, okay, where do we really fit in? Not just right now, but also going forward. And what does it mean for our championship window? But let's carve I've got a, that. I've question. got a hot take about that. I'm going to bring up in the next thing, because Ooh. I think it's, yeah, I think it's, I'm going to pivot from where I have been over the last few I'm years. I'm so, so excited we'll about for this. this. <laughs> let's, get, let's get into it. Let's go. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season and NBA season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. Go visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL and NBA season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL and NBA. Thanks again for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app every day. We'll be back Wednesday night with a recap the Miami Heat's home game against the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I I had this whole intro plan for the second segment. I want to talk about all these things, but just tell me. You, you teased me with the take. You're switching sides. Is it what I think it is, David? I don't know. I don't know where you think it might be, but my feeling is that Miami has basically been able to thrive over the last few years by capitalizing on everyone's success or everyone's mistakes, opponents' mistakes, whether it's Boston being too young and kind of in their own way, whether it's Philadelphia and whatever saga and drama they might be kind of dealing with on an annual basis. They've always just been able to, or even Milwaukee, more talented team on paper, a championship winning team over the last few seasons, but an injury has always been necessary in order for Miami to win. Now, with another opponent having improved by addition through subtraction, the way that you stated earlier, Miami is clearly on another level and far below the rest of the competitors. I don't think that you can take the same chances or pin your hopes on trying to win by taking advantage of whatever failures might crop up on an annual basis. If you don't make a move now, you've basically effectively shut the window for the Jimmy Butler era, and you will never win a, champ a championship with Jimmy on this roster. You have failed, Jimmy Butler. You have made mistakes. You have not done what is necessary in order to build around him. 
And I think you're basically saying if you don't make a move now after Philadelphia's improved, after Cleveland's improved, after Milwaukee and Boston have taken steps in the right direction, you're basically saying you don't have faith in Jimmy Butler or that you don't care about winning a championship while he's on your roster. And I think that's a disappointing statement. I don't, it's not about this season. I think Miami will be fine. They're not going to be great. They worked great last year and they just had a great postseason run. I just don't think that's likely to duplicate again because you're never going to be able to take advantage of other teams the same way you have in the past. You're a worse team than you were last year. And I think that's pretty evident, even though there's great depth and there's some nice young players here. You have to make a move or you're basically telling Jimmy, I'm sorry, you're never going to win a ring while you're here in Miami. I love it. I love that. I love that we're on the desperation side together now because I've been here. I've been the one being like, just trade for James Harden. It's a get out of jail free card. And they didn't do it. And obviously Harden's playing in Los Angeles now, but there's still moves to be made. And you're exactly right. All the teams in front of Miami got better. Milwaukee got better. Boston got better. And now Philadelphia is better and probably going to get even better when they make the next trade of whatever this step is. The Heat have to do something, and the difference between them and those teams that we just talked about is that they're willing to do something. And the Heat this entire time, for two years now, have been so desperate to trade for a superstar when you have Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo right here. You already have them on the roster. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo are good enough to be the top two players on a championship-winning team. They've just been asked to drag other players to these finals, players, rosters that had no true power forwards, rosters that were deple- depleted of, of shooting, rosters that were uh, injured or or whatever it might have been. And you've got, even dating back to last year, Philadelphia willing to make deals for like guys like P.J. Tucker and D'Anthony Melton and kind of tinker around the edges, even if it cost them other assets uh, that didn't result in a star acquisition. Boston, willing to make these Kristaps Porzingis and Drew Holiday deals. Uh, Milwaukee, obviously willing to do things around the edges and ultimately for Damian Lillard. Miami has been so obsessed with adding a superstar to this roster that the supporting cast has fallen back. And I've made this argument to you even last year, David, where you could argue that they've the supporting cast has gotten worse since the bubble, right? And the times where they have been willing to make marginal additions was the deadline before the bubble run, right? The Jay right. Crowder, Andre Guadalla deals. Uh, and then two years ago, when they added Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker, those were marginal deals that cost them draft equity. And both of those times worked, right? And the, obviously, the Heat went to the bubble finals. And then, the, and then the other time, they were a, a Jimmy Butler shot away from making the finals, and they were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. It was the smoothest regular season we had seen in the Jimmy Butler era, and that to me is meaningful. And but they have been so reluctant to part with anything that they could maybe otherwise use in a hypothetical star trade that may or may never happen down the line. And then when the star does become available, not willing to part with all those things because they just aren't quote unquote desperate, whatever that means, you've got to make something, you got to do something. And if it's not a superstar trade, and if you're kicking yourself a few months from now or a year from now, because a star does become available, you can at least look at yourself in the mirror and look at Jimmy Butler, maybe most importantly and say, Hey man, Sorry that we traded all our stuff, but we were trying to do the right thing by you. I just don't know how much longer Jimmy Butler is going to be cool with being, he says all the right things in the media, right? Hey, we got enough. We got enough. We got enough. But this team internally, and they can say all these things all they want. We like our team. We like our team. You cannot run from the fact for two years, they have been hyper obsessed with adding Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell, Damian Lillard, whoever it might be. That stuff yeah. is, are the real actions and talk to what they really want to do. Can I ask you this one question? Can I, form, sure. can, I, can I give you an iPod? Okay. Would you rather be the Heat or the Sixers right now in terms of the roster? Oh, that's a tough one. I I think 
I think you'd probably prefer being the 76ers. And I, I hate that that's a take. I know George Sedano made that comment a few years ago, and it was kind of different. You know, yeah, yeah. Criticized for it. I, I think that, that had its own issues. Again, uh, that, that roster in particular he was talking about. But I think, look, Miami, you, you just can't keep banking on the possibility of winning in the postseason, kind of justifying what happens over the 82 games that precede that. And, and that's just you, – you also have to have a very clear – Maybe you don't. Maybe that's just as a way Miami's oper- always operate. It's like we've got these four or five year windows, and then we'll just kind of restart and figure out what happens next. But like again, they've got a, an all star, young all star in Maxi, who seems likely to get to that point. They've got an MVP player who's better than Jimmy Butler for whatever faults. And again, my own personal distaste of uh, Joel Embiid's game, he's an obviously better player than Jimmy Butler is. And I think you you look at what they've been able to do in terms of well, we had a star or at least a complementary player and. We were able to, you know, trade him for something yeah. of value, not just role players, but also draft capital. That means so much. And we've heard Pat Riley say that, you know, they've been missing those assets or the cupboard was bare. Or we, you know, mm-hmm. we've had we've had problems in trying to to build that draft capital to acquire players. So I, I, I don't know. I mean, you look at what the Heat, I don't know how much longer the Heat can continue winning. If, if you're basically looking at a big three of Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, and Bama DeBio and players that are either going to be too old, like Kevin Love yeah. and Kyle Lowry, or still in development, like Caleb Martin and everybody else on this roster who are extremely young and and you know has yeah. a lot of holes in their respective games. And and you know, that's fine because they're young players, but you're not counting on them. Like like Kelly Oubre for the Sixers side, he's not moving them. He's not gonna he's not gonna be the difference maker there, but he can't he's help helpful. them. Yeah, yeah, he's helped. And these are exactly. the kinds of things the Heat have just been like, no, we're good. We don't want Kelly Oubre. We don't want Christian Wood. We're not yeah. going to add free agents because we're trying to – they have been all in on something that they had not been able to accomplish. And I don't think that there's any question that the Sixers are in a better spot right now than the Miami Heat are. They have more draft capital. They have a ton more cap space. They have the reigning MVP who's still in his prime, a budding all-star in Tyrese Maxey that they could build around, a clear foundation and a clear set of steps to get themselves – to the next level where the Miami heat have just trying to toe this line of we've got Jimmy, we've got bam and what else is here. And we, we, we don't want to part with any of our assets, but we don't want to put because we want to get the superstar and all this stuff where the supporting cast has gotten, has deteriorated while their rivals and their supporting cast have only gotten better. And that is the problem. And David, right now, for the last couple of years, even we've been talking about, Oh, who's the next star that the Miami heat are going to chase. What's the next whale first world problems, man. Like these are champagne problems that we're talking about. Because the next conversation is an even tougher conversation. And that one is, has this run run its course? Is this window fully closed? And do we have to actually, instead of adding to Jimmy Butler, trade Jimmy Butler? Because you talk about all the things that the Heat don't have in terms of flexibility with the roster and, and cap uh, uh, draft assets to go make a big move. Trading Jimmy Butler could get you right back into, hey, we have some roster cap flexibility. We have some draft capital that we can move to add to Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero and these young players because that that's sort of the next step here, right? If you're not going to make a move now to maximize Jimmy Butler's window, then you should probably – if you're not going to do that, then what are you doing? Like you might as well explore the other side of this because this whole towing the line and hoping for the best in the playoffs and hoping for some star to beg their way to Miami and actually – get themselves to Miami, not screwed up the way that Damian Lillard's agent did. Like that just hasn't worked. It just hasn't worked. And it's not a good plan. I don't know. I think that's, that's a really dangerous line to cross. Cause I mean, I, already you, 
like you you spend as much time as Miami has in recent years of trying to acquire said superstar, but you've already got a superstar in Jimmy already on the roster. And yes, I know you haven't won nearly enough, but you have won a lot. Yeah, I think it's more about not trading Jimmy Butler. I think it's more about acquiring the right complementary players to raise the ceilings. You, you you have a lot of guys here that can help, but they're they're they you know what do you call David, them? You, and I, raisers you or, and I you and I agree on that. I'm saying if but if you're but the Heat have been reluctant to do that. So if they don't do it, then what the next logical step is then just trade Jimmy Butler. So stop wasting his time because that's what you're doing. We we agree I don't know on if Jimmy. This. I don't know if Jimmy wants to be traded though. Well, he wants a it's, max it's, extension, and the Heat would be so. You want them to be like basically like Joe Cronin and the Blazers front office and be like, oh, that's nice. Thank you for your years of service. We're going to do what's best it, for our franchise. Yes, absolutely. That's that's really absolutely. tricky. I don't absolutely. know. Trade I don't, Jimmy I don't, Butler I don't to somewhere that. that they're actually going for a championship. I just said when you look at their other option, it's either okay. Well, if you if you don't trade him, Jimmy's going to ask you for an extension. Are you really going to give Jimmy Butler an extension? At 34 years old, at what he's going to be asking for, there's reports out there that he wants Jalen Brown money, 60 million dollars a year. No way. If you're already tied up financially now, you, and then you're going to have the Bam extension that you're going to have to sign him to in a couple of years, like this is it, it, you're going nowhere fast with that. And all these like kind of fun, like hey, plucky eighth seed making the finals, that goes from like just being out of the playoffs real quick with, as this as this team ages. So I just. I think at the end of the day, you and like that's what's facing the Heat. If they don't do the thing that you're saying they do, they should do. And I agree, they should they should do. Forget the future star trade if you have to. If the right role players are around right now that elevate the supporting cast and kind of get you there now, if it gives you a chance, right? Because they're they're in the middle. They're just like they're they're on the treadmill of mediocrity, and that's no fun. Ah. <sighs> Let's continue yeah. this coming up. Coming up, we get to our whiteboard and map out the next star and set of trades that could be had for the Heat after this. Welcome back to Lock on Heat. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Tune in on YouTube or wherever it is that you get your podcast. We will be back Wednesday night with a recap of the game against the Brooklyn Nets. Anything else on what we were talking about before I break out the whiteboard, David? I mean, we're talking about targets that they could go for. The other part of this, I'll say this, and this is impacting the Heat. What the 76ers did is they put themselves in position to beat any Miami Heat offer. Yes. The Heat want – I, I would imagine the Heat probably want to make some kind of trade by February. I, all this stuff that we're talking about, shrinking window and all these things, Pat Riley is on the record acknowledging yeah. it, right? If the right move is out there, the Heat want to try to be a part of it. They try to get Dame. They try to get Drew Holiday. Whatever. It didn't work. Uh, but now with the 76ers, they go from having basically nothing that they could trade to stackable salaries up to $30 million just with the guys they got from the Clippers, a little bit more than that, plus a bunch of other salaries that they have on the roster, uh, and three draft picks where Miami only has two. So if they, they have more flexible pieces where Miami's basically like, do you want Kyle Lowry in a lightly used Duncan Robinson? Like, this is sort of their draft. This is, or are, are you one of the teams that like Tyler Hero? Like, this is sort of what their, 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 their package is. Dilly's package is just better in a lot of respects. Not, not with the Tyler Hero thing, but just in terms of expiring salaries, it's just more flexible and, and, just, and obviously with the more draft capital. They could beat any Miami offer. And that, that's... That's going to be tough for Miami when you have another very aggressive Sixers team ready to make a deal. Yeah. Uh, 
Good points. Okay. Uh, should we get to the whiteboard here? I actually wanted to. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Do right. we actually have an actual whiteboard? Somewhere in the Miami Heat's facility is a whiteboard. And now on that whiteboard, the names of Damian Lillard is crossed out. I think the name of James Harden was probably never on that board anyway, much to my chagrin, David. Uh, but we've got the whiteboard right here. I found it. It's the whiteboard straight from the Miami Heat's facility. You can see it on YouTube. Damian Lillard's name clearly crossed out. And I don't know who has such bad handwriting. It's probably Andy Ellisberg. Um, Drew Holiday, his name is crossed out. The Heat had made an offer reportedly for him. So now we go to the next name on the list. Joel Embiid. What do you think about that as a Heat target? Should he be on the whiteboard? Absolutely not. Again, we just talked about a team that's on the upswing. I don't think that Do you think this takes him beat off the market? I think it does. I think you you kind of clear a lot of space there. I think it uh I, I think you at least have something to build for. Again, I, I think it means something to him. Like he is he the last, I guess with the return of Covington, maybe you can make an argument that's not the case. <laughs> that's <but true>. yeah. <laughs> he's the last holdover from the process era, you know, and and now you have a kind of re- completely refurbished coaching staff. There's like really no ties there. And the fact that he's been there through all of it. And now the, all of a sudden there's the potential to see the actual light, not this fake light, you're, you know, like these laser lights or something like that. No, the actual light at the end of the tunnel, sunlight. And he might, and now all of a sudden he's going to be like, nah, I, I do want to leave. I really don't. I don't want to be here anymore. So I, I think he's going to stay pat, to be honest with you. I think it helps Philly's case in keeping Joel Embiid. You get rid of this James Harden distraction. You say, okay, Joel, you're playing great enough. It's almost like a vote of confidence in him and his teammates that they don't have to hold out for some. And I said this all along, like for the Sixers, all you had to do was hit a single or a double because they were kind of playing with a guy on third. They have the reigning MVP. Tyrese Maxey looks great. Like it's a good roster even without Harden. They started two and one. And you, you kind of have that. You didn't have to hit a home run, in other words, with this James Harden trade to get to bat a runner in. All you needed was a single or a double. I won't go so far as to say it takes Joel Embiid off the table. I, I still think we have to see what this next deal looks like. If if the Sixers go to the playoffs and this whole thing just crumbles under them again, there will be conversations about how much that's even on Joel Embiid versus his teammates and stuff like that. But I won't take him off the board, but I will say like mm, probably not as likely. And I will say this also for Miami. I don't know how much interest there really would be in Joel Embiid if it means trading Bam, but Pat Riley on these on, in these conversations talking about how this next phase of the heat right. and I'm not going to saying like on the record, you know, we're going to build around Jimmy no matter what. Like, I don't I don't know what any of this stuff means. And I, I'm paraphrasing. He didn't literally say that, but it just kind of sign this. I, when he talks about the next phase, it kind of sounds like he's still talking about having Jimmy being a part of it. So we'll see. But I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and just cross and beat off for now because I, I they value Bam in a big way. And I just don't see how you would get him beat without trading Bam. So next on the whiteboard. Again, straight from the Heat's facility. I don't know why they mailed this to me. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell in it. Cleveland. I, I did. St- maybe I did. Maybe I just stole it. Um, I didn't want to admit to a misdemeanor on the on the show, but whatever. Um, caught. Uh, Donovan Mitchell in Cleveland already reportedly will not sign a, an extension with the Cavaliers, and the Heat have been linked to Donovan Mitchell before. Is he the next guy that the Heat should be targeting on this whiteboard? I think that was certainly a lot more likely, but I think we're kind of just having the wrong conversation because both these names, obviously superstars, and I don't know that that's ne- mm. Miami's next area of pursuit. Like we're talking, you just mentioned the metaphor, hitting singles, doubles, you know, like that's what Miami needs to do. They went for what was right, tantamount to a home run swing 
a couple seasons ago when they signed Lowry and Tucker, and that didn't work out. Tucker only here for one season. Lowry aging a lot more quickly than the Heat front office and Lowry himself expected to. So it's now about finding the right complementary player. I, I don't know, to what you mentioned earlier, how you can – outbid a team like Philadelphia that's also looking for something along those lines. They've got enough space. They've got enough draft capital to outbid whatever Miami has to do. So to me, I'm looking more for secondary level names. I don't, I don't even, I think OG and has priced themselves. uh, He's priced himself out of whatever Miami can do. There's no making deals with Toronto, right? Like they're just like, yeah, it'll take seven first round picks. Wait, for what? For Dennis Schroeder? Yep, seven first-round picks. We're like, okay, <laughs> call me back when you get serious. Um, all right, I love it. I love it. So we're crossing out Donovan Mitchell. I'm crossing out Zach Levine, and I'm crossing out Carl Anthony Towns for now, even though all those could potentially be options. But for the sake of this conversation, crossed off the whiteboard, I've got some role players. All right. And by the way, I'll say this. You mentioned that Kyle Lowry has aged maybe faster than he in the front office expected. I'll say this. I think this is exactly what the Heat expected from Kyle Lowry. Ooh. And I think we all expected this. People forget that first year Kyle Lowry was really good. And actually, the beginning of last season, he was really good. And then he had the injury, too many minutes, too many miles. The worst part was in that first year, he got hurt in the playoffs. And then last year, he was injured going into the playoffs and lost a starting job. And this year, he's not been good. But everybody knew when they traded for him that he was going to be 37 in this year of the contract. Like, that's, you know, his birthday didn't just change. Like, they knew how old he was. And I think they, they were supposed to have like, won a title by that point. No, absolutely. Like, but they went for it, right? Like, and, and they had a good chance in two years. Everybody kind of knew, okay, this third year, he's an expiring contract. Maybe we can get off of it. I think this was the expectation, at least from Miami's perspective all along. That said, could they trade his expiring? One of these guys, Alex Caruso, Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams the third. I mean, is the, are these the kind of fringe additions that you're thinking of? I kind of like the Caruso idea. The Caruso idea is great. I think he fixes a lot of problems defensively. I think you again lean into that sort of identity. Uh, the offense is going to be, you know, a problem, but it's, it has been for the last few seasons. And Miami has still found a way to win. But I still think he's like he's he a willing shooter. Becomes, he doesn't need the ball though, and I like I kind of like that in Miami's system. I think he he becomes immediately like the third best defender, uh, and maybe even on a par on the same par. I think with Jimmy Butler in terms of like, oh, yeah. what he brings to the table defensively. Like I know there's a reputation and there's a, the perception of what he is as a person and player, but I mean he has done the work over the course of his career. I think he'd be a great fit in Miami. What's the reputation on Alex Caruso? What did I miss? Well, I mean, he's the lunch pail guy, right? I mean, what's the famous oh, quote he said? No, everybody I mean, comes in, he's you a, know, that he, he he comes in. Everybody comes into the NBA thinking they're going to be the CEO, and they realize mm. very quickly that they're going to be the janitor. He always knew he was going to be the janitor. I remember talking to him in Orlando when he was just one of those guys going back and forth with a G League in the South Bay Lakers and stuff like that, and he was just like, really really humble and nobody knew who the hell he was he was just providing a spark and he was a little bit funny because he was the white guy he was balding or whatever he was just he didn't look like an nba player but then he wound up really leaning into that identity and he wound up winning a championship and being a big unfortunate factor in los angeles's chances of winning that championship over miami so yeah i think he'd be a great fit here um probably the second best guard defending his position in the league behind drew holiday ironically enough um, he's awesome. Maybe even trade. better. Maybe even better. He might be better. He might be better. I mean, he might be better. Yeah, as Drew ages and he doesn't because uh, he's a little bit younger. Uh, I added a couple more names to the whiteboard. Kyle Kuzma and Jeremy Grant. Uh, I don't know if you've watched any Wizards or Portland basketball, and if you have, I am sorry. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> zing. <laughs> they're not good. 
they also both address a position of need for the Miami Heat. If you're looking to maybe upgrade that Kevin Love spot with a more of a long-term fit. Now, this would immediately eat into Miami's financial flexibility, of which they don't really have much anyway. Uh, in terms of long-term salary, though, it would put more on the books. Uh, if you're trading Kyle Lowry's expiring salary, it's something to be wary of. I haven't crunched the numbers to see if it's even feasible going forward. But if you're just going for it, they at least make some sense, right? Yes. No, I, I like both of those possibilities, to be honest with you. I, I mean, I know the money seems a little wonky. Uh, Kuzma, I think, is, you know, I always talked up the Heat. I know he's kind of a name that a lot of Heat fans have sort of peripherally thought might be a good fit in Miami. Like, maybe they don't fix everything, but that's not the point. They're just supposed to help. Again, floor raisers, because Miami's had a problem with that. Uh, you know, they just need guys that will be able to contribute and, and, and kind of just make this team a little better here and there, because you do have your star-level players, and I yeah. think that's the way to go. Like, is Kyle Kuzma or Jeremy Grant an upgrade over Haywood Highsmith and Kevin Love? Like, yeah. I mean, we, we appreciate what Highsmith and Love have been able to do for Miami, but... I don't neither of them are a star at this point. Like bring him off the knock. bench. We love him. Bring him off the bench. Kevin Love, be the guy in the locker room. Like yes. enjoy your four million dollar contract. Do your thing. Hey with Highsmith, man. Like come off the bench. Be awesome. Clamp up some people at the end of halves. Like it's great. But yeah, I mean, they're just they're <laughs> relying on too many guys. And I they they kind of make fun of the media. Be like, oh, just all these undrafted guys. Well, they're undrafted. Sorry. Like this. <laughs> This is just what they are, and they're undra- It's not. It's not some huge conspiracy against these guys who are somehow super talented that everybody's just overlooking because they hate them. No, they're just not as talented as guys like naturally talented and gifted and proven the way that somebody like Jeremy Grant or Kyle Kuzma or those guys are. Like, just go get better. I don't know. Just go get talent. I don't know what we're doing. If you're not, if you're, if it's a front office. If you're not out there getting talent, right? You went out and got. Jimmy Butler, you went out and developed Bam Adebayo. You've tried to trade a talented player, Tyler Hero, for more proven veteran players like Lillard or Donovan Mitchell or Kevin Durant. Just like, just go get somebody. That's where we're at. Uh, do we think it's going to happen? I have no clue, David. I have no idea what's going to happen here. But for now, thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Follow us on your favorite podcast app. And make sure you tune in for uh, Wednesday night's recap of the Miami Heat's game against the Brooklyn Nets.